0: Well, good morning, Central Christian College of Kansas. I'm excited to be able to be with you uh, this morning for Word Wednesday. My name is Chris Smith, and I'm the minister of family life at Emanuel Free Methodist Church in Alton, Illinois. And I spent many, many years at Central Christian College and in the student development office. And it's just a pleasure to be able to join you guys today. I've had about seven tickets in my life, and uh, none of them were fair. One ticket stands out more than others during the beginning of the school year there at Central. uh, We would always start the year with a RA retreat and we would do it at a cabin just not too far uh, from campus. And one particular uh, retreat, uh, a couple of my staff members who will remain nameless, uh, one of them forgot the milk for the breakfast that we were supposed to be making at that time. And the other forgot to buy some material that we were going to use for an activity that we're going to do right after breakfast. So I rather frustrated um, got into the car and headed back to campus and uh, arrived at Stoll Hall and the person who was supposed to be giving me the milk uh, wasn't there and I I pounded on the door and and tried to make a phone call. I couldn't get a hold of anybody of course and, and they didn't come there and I was just Really, really flustered, and so I decided. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to head to Walmart. I'm going to get the materials that I was supposed to uh, have for the the retreat uh, activity that we're going to do in a few moments. And so I was heading out towards Walmart, and I was driving just by the the baseball diamond there, and uh, the a train comes across the tracks, and I'm just I'm so. F- just flustered by the fact that you know I'm I'm running behind and I couldn't get that milk and now I can't get to Walmart and then I get a phone call that the milk is there it's ready so I I decide to whip my van around in the middle of the, the the street there and I I speed away and I head towards campus and I dart through a side street heading back to Stoll Hall just so frustrated that I have to be doing all this and you know, I get about a block and a half away from campus and I see sirens behind me. And so I, I pull off to the side of the road and, and I give my license and registration to the officer. And a few moments later, as I'm just sitting there fuming in my, my car, they come back and they give me a big, fat, juicy ticket. What's worse is the officer didn't even bother to wish me a happy birthday so I head back to campus after collecting all the things that I was supposed to get. And as I'm, as I'm heading back to um, the retreat center, trying to think of all the creative ways that I might be able to fire my entire staff, I just say to myself with a shrunken shoulder, it's just not fair. One of the phrases that cemented itself in my family is the simple phrase, life's not fair, get over it. Maybe you've heard that some in your family, too. Parents are good about that. But some situations just seem really, really unfair, don't they? Um, Much, much harder to deal with than others can be things like tickets. You get so frustrated by those things. But there are lots of things in life that get pretty frustrating. You work so hard and maybe you don't end up with the promotion. That seems unfair. You spend extra hours at practice just working yourself to death, it seems like. And somebody else who barely breaks a sweat ends up with more playing time and you sit on the bench and you think to yourself, it's just not fair. Someone else always gets the guy. It's just not fair. You study for hours while your roommate stays up all night playing video games and somehow they get the A and you get the C. It's just not fair. Well, I want to stick with the theme of the day. uh, Word Wednesday, and I want to get into God's Word. And and, and one of the stories in Scripture that I think is one of the most misrepresented stories in all of Scripture, especially to children, is the story of Jonah. Uh, Some of you may have heard the story of Jonah. In fact, I would guess that many of you at least have heard parts of it, but I want to talk about the story of Jonah. And so the text that we're going to read from requires a little bit of, of context. So let me kind of build up to where we're going to be reading from Jonah chapter 3, verse 10 through chapter 4, verse 11 here in just a moment. So let me fill in some gaps for you. Um Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria and it's rich, it's powerful, it's a place to be feared. The Assyrians began their conquest of the northern kingdom of Israel around 740 BC and 18 years later, um, the capital city of the northern kingdom in 722, the capital city of the northern kingdom was overtaken by the Assyrians and the Israelites were carried off and exiled to Assyria One historian writes it this way. The Assyrians took the indigenous people, moved them someplace else, and brought others in to take their place. By the time the exiles figured out where they were, decades passed. They assimilated into their new culture. Now read between the lines. They assimilated into their new culture, which means they had to forego and abandon their culture and their heritage. And they didn't have the ability or the means to revolt. Now, Jonah was a prophet of God. Now, we sometimes um, attribute some mystical powers to uh, prophets, Um But a prophet really is, though, is someone who delivers God's message. So God speaks a word to the prophet, and the prophet then goes and tells a people group most often, sometimes it's a person, they go and tell them what God has said. And that's what a prophet really does. And so here's the message that God tells Jonah, his prophet, to give to the people of Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. Jonah 1, one says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But here's what happened. Jonah rejected God's plan and goes 500 miles in the opposite direction to a city called Tarshish instead. Um, the Bible says that, that he books passage on this boat and goes the opposite direction. But here's why. And, and we don't talk about this a lot, especially when it comes to little kids. We don't talk about the reason why he rejects the message of God and goes in the opposite direction. It's a very simple reason why he chooses to do it. He hates the people of Nineveh. He hates the people of Nineveh because of what they've done to his people, the Israelites. And so he refuses to go. And and there's the, there's the primary reason is that he hates them. The Assyrians exiled the Israelites and Jonah hates them for it. They robbed them of their home, separated them from their families, assimilated them into an Assyrian culture rather than being able to live in their own culture. And he wants nothing to do with the Ninevites. He hates those filthy, stinking Ninevites so much so that he wants them all dead. He thinks that's what they deserve. So he's not going because he's shy, he's not going because he's insecure. He's not going because he doesn't want to be inconvenienced. He's rejecting God's plan because he wants them to die. And it makes his blood boil to think that if he goes and delivers God's message, that they might change their heart. And so he goes to Tarshish. God causes this big storm to happen. Um, And... um, because of this big storm, the people that are on the boat, he tells them why they're there. They throw them into the water because that's what he tells them to do. He said, that's going to calm the storm. And to rescue him, God causes a big fish to come up and swallow him whole. And for three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, Jonah gets to sit there and stew. So finally, during that time, Jonah begins to to praise God for rescuing him. And he be kind of becomes uh, reacquainted with the awesomeness of God and the importance of God and who God is and who Jonah is and that Jonah's not God and, and all of these great things begin to happen in Jonah's heart and he's, he's, he's going to change his ways. And he says, I'm going to deliver the message. And so what happens is God causes the big fish to spit Jonah out and on the shore and, and after he cleans himself up um, he goes on to Nineveh, but he goes on to Nineveh reluctantly. He still does not want to go. So, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, and we're going to go to verse 11 of chapter 4. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, "'Isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? "'That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. "'I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, "'slow to anger and abounding in love, "'a God who relents from sending calamity. "'Now, Lord, take away my life, "'for it is better for me to die than to live.' "'But the Lord replied, "'Is it right for you to be angry?' When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, "'It would be better for me to die than to live.' But God said to Jonah, "'Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?' "'It is,' he said. "'I'm so angry I wish I were dead.' But the Lord said, "'You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight.' And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? So for, for Jonah, he travels back 500 miles with God's message. And it's not the message that bothers Jonah. The message is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's got no problem with that message. In fact, it's the message that he enjoys delivering. God is going to get you because you're terrible. And it just affirms everything that Jonah believes about the Ninevites to begin with. They're terrible. They're sinful. They're wicked. And and they're they're going to be destroyed. Jonah runs the other way, not because of the message, he he approves of that message. He runs the other way because he knows who God is. He none he knows and understands the character of God. This is what Jonah's word says. God is gracious. Compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love, he relents from sending calamity. And Jonah knows this, and he's frustrated by it. Why is he frustrated? Because he's afraid. He anticipates that if he goes and delivers this message to the wicked people of Nineveh, what's going to happen is they're going to change their heart. And God, because he's a gracious God, because he's abounding in love, because he relents from sending calamity, because he's slow to anger, because he's compassionate, he's going to relent. He's going to forgive them, and Jonah resents God because the message that he carries is going to result in the blessing that God is going to forgive Nineveh, and he's furious about that. It's just not fair. These people are terrible. They don't don't deserve to be forgiven. They've done terrible things. It's not fair. Listen, listen life isn't always fair. One of the frustrating parts about life is life isn't fair. Right isn't always rewarded and wrong isn't always punished. But listen, God does not understand fairness the way that you and I understand fairness. He doesn't apply it the same way. But make no mistake about it. His application of fairness is perfect. Ours is warped and distorted and selfish. And as long as we keep thinking that fairness it should be applied the way we think that fairness should be applied, we will never grow up and we will never move on. Listen, the last thing that you want, the last thing that I want is for God to apply fairness the way that I apply fairness. You don't want that. The last thing you want is for God to be fair. Here's what fairness is. Fair is I tell you to do something, you don't do it, whack. That's fair. Fairness is I tell you not to do something, you do it, whack. That's fairness. Listen to Jonah's response to God's grace. God, I knew. I knew this is what you're going to you were going to do. That's what I said before I left for home. That's why I went to Tarshish. I tried to keep this from happening by going the opposite direction because I knew you couldn't help yourself. You're a God who's gracious and compassionate and abounding in love. You're slow to anger. You relent from sin and calamity. I knew it. You just couldn't help yourself, could you, God? It's just like you. And Jonah is furious. In fact, he's so mad. This is what he says. If you're not going to kill them, kill me instead because I'd rather be dead than see these guys get off the hook. That's kind of dramatic, isn't it? But he is furious. He is furious. In fact, in Hebrew, when it says that he's very angry, it really means he's burning as with fire. He is furious. It's burning out of control. His anger is burning out of control because Nineveh repented and God forgave them and he can't stand it. Here's what I love about God. Here's what I love about God. This is the way God responds to him. After after Jonah throws this, this temper tantrum at God and it's directed towards God he doesn't respond the way that I would God never says listen don't you know who I am you don't talk to me that way he doesn't respond the way that I would you know what I'm going to give you something to cry about if you don't knock that off I'm going to whip your hind in I'm going to put you to bed that's not the way that God that's not the way that God responds he doesn't jerk a knot in his tail this is the way God responds he responds with graciousness and compassion, and love, the same way that he responded to the Ninevites. God never strays from his own character. He never strays from his own character. He remains faithful to himself. Jonah seems to forget what God has done for him, how God rescued him. But you know, what? we do the same thing. We get frustrated because things don't work out the way that we think they ought to work out. And we forget how God has done these awesome and wonderful things in our lives. He, he forget, we forget about the second chances that he's given to us after we've screwed up and messed up over and over and over again. We're just like Jonah in a lot of ways. And we hold grudges just like Jonah does in a lot of ways. And, and so here's the way that God does respond. He causes a plant to grow up. It provides him a little bit of shade. What he's trying to do is he's trying to temper Jonah. He's trying to calm him down just a little bit. And so that's what it does. And you know what? It works. It kinda kinda calms him down a little bit. But then but then God gives him a little bit of a of a picture, an object lesson, if you will. And he causes a worm to come in and eat up that plant, and then a scorching east wind comes, the sun beats down on him, and Jonah's right back to his pouty, furious ways. And he gets angry and and God comes alongside Jonah, he puts his arm around him, he says, is it really right for you to be upset about the plant? You didn't plant it. It's my plant. I, I created it, not you. And he says, yes, it is. It is right for me to be angry. I wish I were dead. Oh, what? <laughs> Three times he says this to God, that he wishes that he, he were dead rather than face what he's going through. And he goes out to, to the city. He goes out to the city. And, and you know why? He goes out there and sits to begin with. Because he's convinced that the Ninevites won't ever really change. And when they don't change, he's convinced that God's going to come in and wipe them out. And and he's just sitting there mad because he's not getting his way. But God continues to show patience and graciousness and kindness. And, And here's the object lesson. This is the point of the object lesson. You're more worried about that stinking plant. You're more worried about your own resentfulness. You're more worried about your own anger. You're more worried about the fact that things aren't going your way. You're more worried about the fact that things aren't fair than you are about 120,000 people that I was prepared to destroy because of their wickedness. You are missing the point. And so what God says when he says they don't know the right from their left, he's not saying they don't know good from evil. They don't know right from wrong. They know good from evil. In other parts of scripture, you you, you read that they do know right from wrong, good from evil. They just choose to do evil. What not knowing the right from their left means is they do not have a relationship with God. They don't know who he is. In other words, they're far from him. And Jonah in his resentfulness... He's not open and he's not teachable. And neither are we. If we're going to sit there in our own anger, our own frustration, thinking about how life is so unfair rather than being close to God, there are a couple things that are going to happen. One is you're not going to be teachable. You're not going to learn from the experiences that God is giving you. You're going to sit there and you're going to be resentful and you're never going to grow and you're never going to grow up and you're going to just stay in that spot. But here's the other thing. When we're far from God, We do evil things. We continue to be evil and do wrong things. And that's not what God desires. Here's what God desires, and it only comes from being close to Him. Here's what God desires it's the character of God that He wants to build in each and every one of us. And here's what that looks like that we would be a people who are gracious, that we would be a people who are compassionate that we would be a people who are slow to anger, that we would be a people who are abounding in love, and we would be a people who, who would relent from from, from lashing out of other, at other people just because we're angry with them or because we think they have the wrong theology or the wrong political affiliation or they don't think the way that we think. They don't think that we're right and they're wrong. They don't just do what we think they ought to do because life's not fair. But when we're far from God, we do evil things. But when we're close to God... We take on the character of God. My desire for you students at Central Christian College is that you would be a people who would not be far from God, but you would be a people who would be close to God, that you wouldn't miss the point of the object lesson, that there are more important things in life than your pettiness, than our resentfulness, that things aren't working out the way that we think they ought to work out but we would remember that there, is a, there are characteristics that God wants to build within us so that we would see things the way that he sees them. God bless you guys. Have a great uh, day today and a great week. Um, I think I'm going to be able to join you another time. So God bless you guys as you try to draw closer and closer to God. Have a great day. Bye.